It's the Americhips with Kim Monson. Now, while this is all going on, I went through President Trump's speech and uh, Chuck and Nancy's rebuttal. The most important story. The American people finally said enough, and that is why they elected Donald Trump. The latest in politics and world affairs. It's almost unbelievable that Trump has extricated the U.S. from the Iran nuclear deal. And opinions and ideas that prepare you to tackle the day ahead. Because ideas matter. It's the Americhicks, dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Hey, yes, welcome to the Americhicks. I'm Kim Munson and uh, thrilled that you're joining us today. We wish you a great day. Uh, We dissect these issues, news, politics, and opinion as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree? Definitely. Let's have a conversation. Be sure and check out our website, americhicks.com. That is where we are on Facebook and Twitter as well. And sign up for our emails. Uh, I love hearing from you. I love your thoughts. So please, uh, you know, go ahead and sign up. My email address is kim at americhicks.com and keep those cards and letters coming. Uh, We offer a conservatarian perspective. And uh, in that vein, uh, very excited about an event that we will be having this upcoming Monday, Vino and Veritas, over at Water's Edge Winery. And Dr. Tom Cranawitter and his team, uh, Speakeasy Ideas, is organizing this. Dr. Cranawitter is an expert on the founding of America on Lincoln and uh, and the Patriots, and so this is going to be really uh, not the football team, but but the uh, <laughs> but the Patriots that actually stood against King George uh, many years ago. And uh, anyway, it's going to be a great evening. It is sold out. If you would like to be added to the wait list, we would be happy to do that. Uh, we will be meeting on the fourth Monday of each month through. 2019 going through the Federalist Papers, which really makes the case for the Constitution. And uh, so if you'd like to be added to the waiting list for Monday, let us know. Uh, you can go ahead and sign up right now for February. We are recommending that you go ahead and and, and uh, sign up for the complete subscription so that you are assured of having a spot. So if you want more information, it is speakeasyideas, uh, hashtag, uh, or um, slash Vino, I believe it is. So speakeasy ideas or the link is on our website, americhicks.com. So we have in studio with us Jason McBride. Jason with Presidential Wealth Management. It is great to have you here. We had a great conversation yesterday, and it's great to have you here. Well, thanks for having me back again. Yeah. You're glutton for punishment. <laughs> I guess so. And a really great feel-good story. Yesterday, when you got here, you had talked a little bit about Spencer. Mm-hmm. And so set that up, and then we'll ex- we've will we got some other things to, to talk about there. Well, it was funny, because I took a wrong turn uh, to get here yesterday and ended up uh, at 225 and I left. There's a convenience store called Alta right on the corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went in. Uh, to grab a couple of items, and there's just this super nice guy behind the counter. I walked in, you know, he's back there smiling. I said, hey, how you doing? Oh, how you doing, sir? He's just super nice. Uh, came up to the counter. To, I mean, and I just it's almost indescribable just how good he was. He's just so friendly, uh, so great and, and efficient, too. I mean, he, he completely just got everything done super fast. Um, I, 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 he was just such a nice guy. And there's been, you know, other nice people. But there's just some I can't maybe even put my finger on, Kim. Um, but I just felt compelled uh, to tell him, 
you know, what a wonderful experience it had been. Uh, you know, and, and I, I got outside the store and I said, you know what? I want to say something about him on this. So I went back in. I said, hey, what's your name? And he's like, my name's Spencer. And I'm like, all right, thank you. It was great to meet you. And, uh, you know, I thought about that uh, a lot yesterday, Kim, believe it or not. And that's just going into a convenience store and getting great? a couple things. It was truly the perfect experience. You could not have had a more flawless and perfect uh, transactional experience uh, with somebody. And, and who would have thought that you could go into a convenience store for two minutes and come out feeling better than spending three days at a Tony Robbins conference? Well, And it only cost me a couple bucks. Well, that is so amazing. So because of that, I thought after I, I we got off the air yesterday and I'd done a couple of things, got, got the promo for the next day, I said to Steve, our great producer, that uh, I'm going to run over there and see if Spencer's there. And so I, I went over and I went in and he got off at six o'clock. So this was at the end of an all night shift that this guy is cheerful. And, you know, I think it's very insp- inspirational to each of us. You know, we need to get up every day and do our best. But then I had the greatest conversation with Stephanie as the manager there, and Mahalia uh, helped me with the items that I purchased, and I mentioned Spencer, and their faces lit up, and then, and, and then the experience with the two of them was really awesome. And so Stephanie's the manager, and she said, we have a really good team. And I said, you know what? Good managers hire good people, and you have good teams. So we just want to give a shout-out to Spencer, Stephanie, and Mahalia over at Alta at uh, Convenience Store at 225 and Olive. How about that? So you guys all have a great day. And, uh, I, hey, you know what? I think, Jason, I think this might be something that we should do. If people have a great story, a great uh, experience with somebody, I think we should have them start to call in with that or email me and let I think we should share these stories of excellence because there's so much bad news out there yeah. and there's so much divisiveness. I think that maybe we should Absolutely. do that. Absolutely. Any any good news you can get that's just even the smallest thing I think is fantastic because it's easy to to get mad and talk about the bad news and and we have to discuss it of mm-hmm. course in our daily lives and in you on the show and uh but yeah i uh, it was just really neat i'll i'll never forget uh yesterday morning so at, awesome uh, that early in the morning when i am usually not even awake well it was great <laughs> that's great so shout out to spencer stephanie and mahalia over at alta convenience store Thank you for the great job that you're doing, and uh, thanks for making Jason have a great day yesterday, and me too. So that is just, we just wanted to do that. Um, Before we get into all the serious stuff, we have our, today, our funnies. Hey, I just wanted to let you know, you guys now convinced me, I'm going to go over there right now, so you're on your own. (laughs) You're on (laughs) Okay, would you pick up a few things for me, okay, Steve? (laughs) Okay, Jason. Yes. When NASA first started sending up astronauts... They quickly discovered that ballpoint pens would not work in zero gravity. So to combat this problem, NASA scientists spent a decade and $12 billion developing a pen that writes in zero gravity, upside down, underwater, on almost any surface, including glass, and at temperatures ranging from below freezing to over 300 degrees Celsius. Guess what? What? The Russians just used a pencil. That was pretty smart. And on that note, let's go ahead and jump into the serious news out there. First thing, um, it's nice to know that there's second graders in Congress. 
and uh, I, I might be thinking of Nancy Pelosi. I cannot believe that she has disinvited the President of the United States to give the State of the Union, where the President this is, does this every year, to talk to the American people about what is going on. And, uh, and to Trump's credit, I, I was a little shocked. He said, okay, I'm not going to do that. I thought maybe he might go ahead and just do, you know, give this someplace else. But he said, okay, I will honor that. What do you think about this, Jason? Well, uh, I saw that from uh, two, two different, uh, well, not two different perspectives, but two reasons I think he made a very good decision. One, uh, he is showing deference and respect uh, for the office and the tradition of the State of the Union to do it uh, in the congressional chamber where it's where it's always been done. Uh, but number two, uh, I think Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats may come to regret this decision and wish that they'd have sent him off to do it somewhere else where they didn't have to be there. Because now... They're not going to have any excuse not to show up at the State of the Union. And I think Trump wants America to see all of their smiling faces on TV again Mm -hmm. as they hear about uh, how good jobs are, how good the economy is, all the good things that are happening in America. Because we all remember how pleased they all looked about that last time. Well, that's for sure. And, you know, I think the veil is off now, Jason, um, because... President Trump, I think, really is is connecting with the common man and woman, no matter, you know, race or whatever. As the economy goes up, it lifts all boats. And interestingly enough, there was a recent NPR, um, I can't remember everybody that was on that um, um, poll. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, here we go. It's a Maris PBS NPR poll, which typically would not be friendly to uh, any any of Donald Trump's numbers. But they were reported, grudgingly, I would say, that his approval rating has risen 19 points among Hispanics to 50%. And then I, I uh, walked in the parade with my friend Casper Stockham on Monday, and there were a few of the really nasty Trump-hating signs. There weren't that many. And I think he is resonating with the common man and woman across the United States. And so when Nancy Pelosi and, and you know, the real radical progressive uh, activists in the Democrat Party are acting the way that they are, I think that you have to realize, I think they're really snubbing everyday, hardworking people. And uh, so I think this is really resonating. I, I would agree with you, Kim. And, and I think the poll numbers at this point are probably even more, let's call it suppressed, than they were running up to the election. Uh, conservatives and Trump supporters, look at the kind of violence and hatred that is being perpetrated. I think there's a lot more, uh, what, what do you call them, silent uh, Supporters, yes. silent majority people that like Trump that are uh, hesitant to let it be known publicly than there probably even was running up to the 2016 election because we now see what the quote consequences can be just for wearing a red and white hat that says "Make America Great Again." So uh, I see some big surprises going forward. I think so too, Steve. You have a thought. Well, uh, in terms of indicators, I thought, and you won't see this on mainstream media or the drive-by media, whatever you want to call them, there was a picture that was taken in front of the Martin Luther King Memorial on Monday, Martin Luther King Day, 
of about 10 to 12 black Americans wearing MAGA hats. Really? Yeah. So, uh, uh, you know, th- there's all kinds of indicators out there. Unfortunately, you really have to go digging for them because we know how the liberal left press behaves. Yeah, mm. but the veil is off, uh, you know, regarding this this young student, the Covington uh, students that were at the March for Life in front of the Lincoln Memorial, and the way that the, this young student has been treated in the press and by, uh, well, right here in Douglas County. Apparently there was a teacher that called him a Hitler youth, and she even had the wrong person that she was talking about. And Jason, it's beyond belief to me that these people are teaching our children. I just, I just can't believe it. Yeah, it is concerning. Uh, you and I were talking before the show a little bit, and uh, how can somebody that despises, you know, a young white male kid that much, who must have some of those awful white male kids in the classroom, not let that show through and, and make an impression? And, uh, you know, we're not weaklings, but a 15-year-old teenage mind is not the most solidified things. And, and I think little things like that can make very negative, lasting impressions. So it's, it's a big concern mm-hmm. uh, uh, to me that what kind of messaging might the children uh, be getting there. Right. And uh, it, I'm becoming more and more convinced uh, and next week, we're, I'll be talking about this um, um, House Bill 1032 that's been introduced down at the, the State House here in Colorado, and that is a, a sex education bill, and I want <clears throat> to go into that in more depth. But it, it's just astounding to me, you know, that, you know, what is happening in public education, and I'm becoming more and more of a proponent of homeschooling. I, I think that that is something that uh, mothers and fathers really need to consider. So we'll talk about that next week. Before we do it, do that, though, the Super Bowl is coming up. It is set. It is the L.A. Rams facing the Patriots in the Super Bowl. And the question is, where will you watch the game? Well, Hooters, of course. Hooters is your game day headquarters. You can watch the big game at Hooters and specials start at $10 for a draft and 10 modeless wings. If you come into any Hooters during the big game, you can enter to win a brand new 55-inch HDR TV. And Jason, did you know that Hooters wings can fly? They can actually be delivered right to your front doorstep. And uh, I ha- actually had the girls over last night, and so I had them delivered, and they are good. We had the uh, the smoked wings. They're half the calories. They're delish. So uh, order if you want to order your Hooters to go or have them delivered to your front door, visit HootersColorado.com. That's HootersColorado.com for more information. Let them know that you know the AmeriChicks. And we will be right back. When we uh, return from break, we'll be talking with Senator John Cook. And what has happened is Governor Hickenlooper, before he went out of office, and Governor Polis, now that he's in office, have both issued executive orders that will actually make new cars anywhere from $4,000 to $6,000 more expensive. And uh, Senator Cook has introduced legislation to try to walk that back. And so we'll chat with him when we get back. All AmeriChicks sponsors are an exclusive partnership with the AmeriChicks and are not affiliated or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson and grow your business, contact Kim at AmeriChicks.com. That's AmeriChicks.com. 
You want to succeed, so you need to dress for the job, event, or relationship that you seek. For over 30 years, entrepreneur, stylist, and Americhick Kim Munson has been helping women look their very best with well-priced, made-to-measure clothes that fit a busy lady's lifestyle. Gals, if you want to up your game and freshen your look, email Kim at Americhicks.com for your initial style consult. Kim at Americhicks.com. Social media is important to the Americhicks since it's an avenue we can utilize to hear from and speak to all of our friends. For those of you who enjoy listening to the show, we'd love to hear what's on your radar. Follow us and talk to us at Americhicks Twitter and Facebook pages. Also, if you're a business owner who could benefit from some extra foot traffic from like-minded friends, consider advertising on the Americhicks radio show. Contact us at Americhicks.com or email Kim at Americhicks.com. I'm just trying to be a father, raise a daughter, and this. Oh, I love that song. Hey, welcome back to the Americhicks. I'm Kim Munson. We dissect issues as as, uh, right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. It's easy for me to say this morning. Uh, Check out our website, americhicks.com, and sign up for our emails. Love hearing from you. We will keep you apprised of all the upcoming guest topics and important events. And we are the Americhicks on Facebook and Twitter as well, offering a conservatarian perspective. And we have on the line with us Senator John Cook, a senator here in Colorado, uh, who has, I mean, he... Senator Cook, it's got to be wild down there. I don't know what to say what's going on at the Capitol. How are you doing this morning? <laughs> I'm doing fine, thank you. And, uh, yeah, things um, things are going to be ugly this uh, this session, I think, and it's, it's starting already. Yeah, it didn't take long. And, Senator Cook, we also have uh, Jason McBride in studio with us. And then Steve, I think may, our producer may jump in with some questions as well. But uh, try to set this up a bit. Uh, Governor Hickenlooper, uh, before he went out of office, issued an executive order uh, regarding uh, LEVs, or low-emission vehicles. And then Governor Polis, when he got into office, and he hasn't been there that long, issued an executive order for ZEVs, or zero-emission vehicles. And um, what my understanding, Senator Cook, is is this ties uh, us to the standards in California, which are very, very stringent. Uh, maybe set that up a little bit more for us, please. Okay, sure. Um, yes, you're correct. Uh, Governor Hickenlooper did an executive order uh, because he couldn't get it passed through the legislature the year before. So what he did is said um, we're going to follow. He uh, told the Air Quality Control Commission to come up with uh, emission standards that uh, equals California's on low emissions. Excuse me. And then uh, Governor Polis, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, decided that we need to follow California's emission on zero emissions, so all electric vehicles. And um, that does tie us to California's emissions. And uh, it, California's you know, geography is a lot different than Colorado's. And uh, we um, will be governed from Sacramento as opposed to Denver. Boy, and they're doing a great job out there in California. I de- that just makes me so happy, Senator Cook. <laughs> I know. It, it, it is kind of crazy. Um, California's had this for a while. And what it does, it also mandates that private business, that um, uh, car dealers, have to sell a certain number of zero-emission vehicles or low-emission vehicles. And if they don't, they get fined. Uh, they get fined $5,000 per vehicle um, for under their quota if they don't sell whatever their quota happens to be. 
Uh, and so what they do is uh, they're going to have to pass on that cost to the consumer by adding or raising prices of other vehicles. Okay, so Senator Cook, what you're telling me is is that if our dealers here in Colorado don't sell cars uh, to people that, and the cars that people don't want, that they're actually going to be fined, and uh, and that's going to raise the cost for the cars that people do want. I mean, it's beyond belief. Correct. I mean, who thinks this stuff up, Jason? Yeah, yeah it is. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is nuts. Um, because, you know, 70, I think it's 74% of all vehicles sold here in Colorado are trucks, light trucks, or SUVs. And they don't make very many uh, ZEV vehicles on that because the batteries, the technology is just not there yet for uh, towing and, and hauling things. Well, and my understanding is, is is to offset these penalties, or they could actually go out and uh, buy credits, if you will. And there is only one place where they can buy these uh, electric car credits, and that happens to be Tesla. And Elon Musk over at Tesla, I, I found an article in the L.A. Times back in 2015. So, you know, over the next four years, additional money has been given to him. But he'd received $4.9 billion in government subsidies. And now you see this this is just a program to, to you know, fund money over to Tesla. And uh, wh- thank you, first of all, for, for bringing forth this legislation. So what does your legislation do then exactly? Well, um it's very simple, actually. It just says that uh, the state of Colorado cannot adopt uh, California emission standards, and uh, they can't go anything um, above and beyond what the federal emission standards are. So it, it's, like I said, it's just a very simple bill saying that uh, we have to follow the current EPA um, emission standards well, Senator, and not adopt California. Senator Cook, how this is really going to affect, I think, everyday hardworking people First of all, I've, I've, I've seen that this could raise the cost of a new car anywhere from $4,000 to $6,000. That, that prices a lot of people out of the market for a new car. So then that means that they, they keep the car that they have, which means they're not trading that in. So people that might want to get into a used car will not. There's going to be, as Jason, you said, a really tight market on this. And you just look at the economy on on that. And so ultimately, this hurts, I think, mobility of people. And my good friend Helen Raleigh, who immigrated from China, said freedom of mobility means free people. And so, I mean, I think there's some real dire consequences to this, Senator Cook. No, you're absolutely right, because uh, not only is it uh, limit our mobility, but people aren't going to be able to afford a new vehicle. And new vehicles now... um, the internal combustion vehicles are so much cleaner and they put out so little emissions already that this law is really um, uh, unneeded. But, or not this law, but the executive order and the emissions. Um, but not only if does it uh, hurt the mobility, but think about it. If I can't afford a new car, I'm going to keep driving my old one, which does not, um, that puts out a lot of emissions. So, it's going to have the reverse effect because people are going to be Ford cars are going to keep their old ones, and those cars are going to be polluting at a higher level. Okay, so I think it's going to have the opposite effect of what they want. Well, that's that's funny when when government overreaches, that tends to be what happens. Uh, okay, Jason, you had a comment. Well, I had uh, a comment and a question, if I may. Mm-hmm. One is 
Uh, you know, I think this could also cost jobs as well, because if the dealerships are getting fined, uh, one of the places they're going to go first to save back that money is to, you know, tighten up how many employees they have, too. The employees are always one of the first casualties uh, to get hit. And when uh, you're being mandated that you have to sell something or else you're going to get in trouble for it, uh, you know, that leads to uh, consumers sometimes being, uh, let's say, sold uh, products that are not the correct fit for them, shall we say. Well, that seems uh, that, like... That's correct. Yeah. Go ahead, John. No, I was just going to say that, that that's correct, because um, if, if they're losing money, the first place is personnel, because that's the most expensive uh, part of any organization is is the people, so... Um, some people are going to be losing their job because they're not going to be able to meet the mandate set by California. Senator Cook, the other thing is, is consumers will very possibly, I think, go and buy cars in other states. Is it has uh, you know has anybody really thought about that? You know, probably not, uh, because if, uh, if I have to pay two to four thousand uh, dollars more. For a vehicle, I'm going to go to Wyoming. It was much like my argument with the magazine ban. People are going to go to Wyoming or Nebraska um, to buy the magazines or the or now vehicles. They're, they're going to force um, a business out of they're going to force people to buy the vehicles and support businesses in that in other states. And so ultimately, we're going to see again a loss of jobs probably right here in Colorado because uh, dealers could go out of business because of this goofy. These two goofy, I, that's my opinion, goofy executive orders uh, that have been put in place by Governor Hickenlooper and by Governor Polis. Um, Senator Cook, we've got just a couple of minutes. Uh, your final thoughts on that and uh, how can people help you out, support you, and get more information? Well, uh, first off, they can help me by coming down to testify for my bill when it comes up. Um, I believe it's on the 7th. They can come down and, and testify for it and how talk to their uh, legislator personally if they come down to the Capitol. And what I would suggest is they reach out to whoever their state senator or state representative uh, are and, and talk to them and, and tell them that we don't want to be governed by California and we don't want to have to meet their air quality control standards. Most definitely. And uh, what is your website, Senator Cook? Um, it is Cook at SD13. John Cook, SD13.com. Okay, and Cook is with an E on the end, right? Correct. Okay. Well, very good. So, Senator Cook, thank you uh, for putting forth this legislation. And so February 7th will be the hearing. And uh, so either, you know, email, contact, call your uh, representative. And then if you want to have a great experience, go on down to the Capitol on February 7th. (laughs) I say that tongue-in-cheek because I've gone down and testified a number of times. But it's important. Uh, You know, everybody needs to do something every day to make sure that we, you know, that we we stand for freedom and and for people to have the opportunity to have the choices that they want to make instead of being forced. I mean, this, this whole thing of force... Uh, does not does not bode well with uh, with free, freedom loving people. So, thank you so much, right. Senator John Cook. Thank you, absolutely. Thank you. Okay, can you believe that, Jason? It is funny, and uh, I know we only had limited time. I, I wanted to ask uh, 
uh, the senator, uh, a question I've always had, well, what do they do with the, the batteries in these electric yeah. vehicles once they're shot? I mean, aren't those things full of, like, lithium and all kinds of toxic ca- Where Where do they go? Well, that's going to be a real problem. I mean, Yucca Mountain? I mean, we're going to have to reopen that? I, I Where do all these toxic batteries go when they run out of juice? They haven't really thought about it, that. And then the other thing is, is uh, there's a lot of uh, mining that has to go into the the uh, ingredients, if you will, for these batteries as well. And so it's, it's, it's really not, um, I mean, it's really more of a, a religion. And and a, and a belief versus they haven't really thought this through. Steve, you had a thought. Well, to Jason's point, it's like, and the senator just kind of made a blanket statement: the te- technology is not quite there yet. Part of disposal of the used batteries is that comes under that technology umbrella. Well, wait a minute before you get too excited about this. What do we do with this problem over here? So, it's kind of an all-encompassing thing. But the other thought I had: what is every politician want when he gets a first term a second term so i think polis is already playing to this you know the boulder denver corridor of free thinkers uh in terms of you know what he's going to be doing for the environment type of thing whether he really 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 buys into this or not i i don't know so you think it yeah i think you're probably right it's a political strategic move as well but but our job then is to ask the questions that Jason just asked, and that is, is let's think about all of the uh, consequences of these decisions. And I think there will have to be some place, a uh, Yucca Mountain, if you will, or whatever, for all of these batteries. Well, and final quick comment, Kim, is money always the answer? So if we're so concerned that these uh, internal combustion cars are damaging the environment, why is it okay for you to, quote, get away with it then just by paying some money for some carbon tax somewhere? So it's okay if you uh, damage the environment and destroy the planet as long as we get a few of your almighty bucks in our hand. That solves it. See, that's where I don't buy it. Yeah, exactly. I have, I have a good friend who works for a Western Power Authority, WPA. Yes. And it, this is one of his pet peeves because people get so caught up in electric vehicles. And but they're so tunnel vision. It's like, well, where is that electric coming from? You know, right. and plus the network or the ability to charging station infrastructure. I guess the governor calls it charging stations and stuff like that. But he says, not for a second. Do you, you know think get lost in this idea of electric cars and don't think that that electricity is being generated somewhere? Absolutely. So, hey, we the great conversation, guys. We need to go to break. When we come back, uh, Jason, we had had a conversation regarding Tucker Carlson had, it was at the beginning of the year, had done a monologue. And I thought there were some good things in it, but there was something that really kind of put a bee in your bonnet, if you will. Stuck in my craw. That sounds more manly. That's what I was going to say, but okay, okay, there we go. Uh, So when we come back, I want to hear what that is. Uh, So this is Kim Munson with the Americhicks. We'll be right back. Work with mortgage professionals who will give you quick and accurate financial advice. Home Mortgage Alliance has the knowledge and expertise to explore the many financial options available to you. The mortgage process can be stressful, and as interest rates rise, it's more important than ever to get pre-qualified now so you're ready to buy. Call Kim Sturtz and Mark Cook with Home Mortgage Alliance to make sure that you're making the right financial choice for you and your family. 303 888 
888-258-2732. Kim and Mark will remain available to you 24-7 to help you through the process. Choose the only mortgage professionals recommended by the Americhicks with Kim Munson. Call Kim and Mark with Home Mortgage Alliance today. 303-888-2732. Dan Predovich and his team at Predovich & Company help your business plan ahead financially. The Americhicks with Kim Munson highly recommends Predovich & Company as your financial business consultant. Predovich & Company will take care of your tax preparation, bookkeeping, and business advisory services. Dan Predovich and his team want to learn about the unique needs of your business through real, honest dialogue. Because of their advanced technological capabilities, Predovich & Company can help clients anywhere in the United States. Call 303-791-3000 to start preparing now for tax season. Organize your business finances with Predovich & Company. Call 303-791-3000 today. Hey, welcome back to the Americhicks with Kim Munson. We're dissecting issues, the news, politics, and opinion as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. We're having the conversation. Check out our website, Americhicks.com. Sign up for our emails, and we'll keep you apprised of all the upcoming guest topics and important events. Uh, be sure and check out Facebook and Twitter as well. That's where we are. As Americhicks, we offer a conservatarian perspective. Uh, we have in studio with us... Jason McBride, Presidential Wealth Management, one of our very valued partners. And Jason, you and I, at the beginning of the year, had both seen a monologue by Tucker Carlson on Fox News. And uh, I had seen things things that I thought there were some really good points in the monologue, but there was something that really stuck in your craw. Well, it does stick in my craw. And, you know, I can understand why you said be in the bonnet. Uh, (laughs) I mean, you lent me your reading glasses. Uh, I mean, I look like a chick now. Uh, You're just trying to turn me into a chick since I'm on the AmeriChick show, right? In the right state. You're trying to chickify me. (laughs) There you go. Uh, but yes, you're you're correct. Uh, you know, and I like Tucker Carlson very much. Um, I, I agree with most of what he says. I enjoy uh, watching his show. Uh, sometimes the the infighting between him and the guest it, it gets a little grating. But overall, no, I love Tucker. Uh, but yes, you're right. This this monologue he did, I think, it was the first show of the year uh, about you know kind of the way that the government sticks it to the little guy in a lot of ways. I thought there were some great points in there, uh, but he said something that he has said before and other conservative commentators have said before that this really just grinds me every time I hear it. And the part where he said, well, it's unfair that Mitt Romney made $22 million in 2010 and he only paid a 14% tax rate when the average uh, upper middle class wage earner in America pays 40% in federal taxes. And he said federal taxes. And that wasn't the first time. Right after Trump got elected, Tucker actually interviewed Trump and said almost the exact same thing. Why is it fair that uh, investment money... Uh, only pays half the taxes that wage earners pay, and again came out with that same number that the average wage earner in America has to pay almost 40% in federal taxes. Um, And he's not the only one. Uh, Trish Reagan, this is back when she did the intelligence report, uh, you know, she's uh, been very upset about this carried interest loophole that didn't get uh, taken away. 
And there was a few times on her show she made a comment that why is it fair that a hedge fund manager pays a lower tax rate than a New York City cop? And that's just ridiculous as well. Nobody pays 40% in federal taxes. And I think it's bad enough uh, when we're getting that kind of messaging from, from the left, you know, attacking the rich all the time. But we don't need conservative commentators giving out uh, incorrect information, too, that's going to put a bee in people's bonnets mm-hmm. and get them upset. Well, Jason, there there seems to be this uh, kind of this attack on success, on, on uh, rich people, if you will. And uh, you and I had talked about it yesterday after the show. Mitt Romney, when he was running for president, he never really made the case that he had, that it was okay to be wealthy. You know, I've seen people that have, have worked hard and have created wealth, and they felt guilty about that. Uh, but let's, you know, let's really think about it. If you work hard, and let's say that you, actually, there's, there's two ways to make money. There is to, in, in a in truly a capitalistic society, a free market society, if you come up with an idea, a, a service or a product that people believe will make their life better, they will trade their hard-earned dollars for you know, that service. And, uh, and, and if you do that with a lot of people, you will become wealthy. And so you, in essence, are making people's lives better. And so there's something really great about uh, becoming successful and wealthy. Success is successful. And, and somewhere along the line, um, uh, you know, we've, we've become shamed, uh, shamed of, of being successful. And that was on full display uh, with Mitt Romney's campaign. He should have never acted ashamed and tried to play down that he had been successful. Uh, it doesn't matter how much money he makes or how much money he had. You know, what matters, what or what were his principles and what was he willing to fight for? And I think it's just a mistake to back down from it. That's another reason I think what Trump did was absolutely genius. He went 180% the other way and actually boasted that he was really, really rich. Now, I think what part of that has done is, is it now most others won't boast about it, but it's brought it back to where people aren't running away from it anymore. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I think, it, you know, he did a good job of kind of bringing us back uh, from the, the brink of stupidity on that. Okay, so let's let's think about this. Though. So somebody has worked hard, yep. l- like a, a, a Donald Trump, he, he has created a lot of wealth. So somebody like uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is saying, well, the rich, we need to tax them up to 70% and take their stuff because they're rich. And we need to and then take that money and give that to, quote unquote, the poor. But let's think about the rich guy. You know, one of the most compassionate things I believe that you can do, Jason, is to give another man a job, another man or woman a job. Because there's dignity in work. There's dignity in knowing that you can take care of yourself. That's right. And there's dignity in saying to another person, you have something of value that I'm willing to hire you to do. Absolutely. And, you know, I have all kinds of things going through my brain. So on this, I'm going to say, you know, when the guys are standing on the side of the road asking for money and people, it, it tugs on their heartstrings. But to just give them money without exchanging any value, I think is actually... 
in some ways uncompassionate because it's saying you to that homeless person, you don't have anything of value that I'm willing to trade for. I'm just going to give you this. And I think that that takes away their dignity. Now, I've always thought if you give the, the person on the corner a broom and a dustpan and a, a trash bag and they make sure that that corner is the cleanest corner in Denver, I'll give them some money then. Well, and that that's a great point, Kim. And what you're talking about on a small scale uh, we see on a much larger scale in some of the biggest cities out there that have been given the most uh, free money and the most welfare and the most support, uh, where they're being giving, given something in exchange and asked to do nothing for it. What are the conditions of most of those places? The more federal aid and more federal assistance and dollars that have gone in to places like that, the worse they are. Well, true. Uh, one other thing, and then we, I want to get back to when we come back from break regarding this whole tax rate thing. Yes, but, okay, but, that's fine. But if somebody's been successful, they say, oh, so-and-so has an extra house or an extra, bo- you know, bought a boat or they have a really fancy car or whatever. Well, let's just think about what that, what that means is they bought that car. And so somebody had to um, make that car. They had to design that car. It gave a lot of people a lot of jobs or a boat. You know, there's the guy that sells the boats. There's the, the secretary that works at the, the boat dealer. And so instead of saying, hey, Mr. Rich Man, you know, we're going to take all your money because you're too rich and too successful and just give it to these people over here instead of having the dignity to work through this whole thing. Uh, I, I think that we're seeing the breakdown of that in many of these cities. Well, I think I think we certainly are. And, and another uh, point I would bring up is I don't think it's it's – a good idea to demonize an entire group of people because uh, wealthy people, uh, for the most part, uh, I believe they're very generous. They mm-hmm. give an awful lot of money to charity. Uh, I think that is very, very helpful. Uh, you know, and to come back to Mitt Romney, when they made such a big stink, they actually got a hold of his tax returns. And what we found in there is, yes, he only paid at the end of the day a 14% tax rate, but he had given millions of dollars to charity that year and hadn't even taken the full deduction that he was entitled to for giving to charity. So I don't want people that have the means to be generous to start feeling like, why should I be generous when all I, I get is uh, kicked in the teeth no matter what? Right, right. So uh, <laughs> this is a, and this is a really important conversation, Jason, here in America, particularly with all these young socialists that have uh, gotten into office. And, and to your point, how we kind of precipitated thinking about this conversation is, is, is we got the radical activists over in the Democrat Party that are are talking about these tax rates. We're not sure that we really need to have, quote-unquote, conservative commentators talking about it. So we're going to go to break. Before we do that, though, Chris Cantwell with uh, Transworld Business Advisors helps buy and sell opportunity. It's 2019. What do you want to do with your future? You've worked hard. Maybe the kids don't want your business, so you want to sell it. 
or maybe you've recently retired and you want to buy a business, then you need to talk to Chris Cantwell at uh, Transworld Business Advisors. He is an advocate for entrepreneurship, the voluntary exchange of value between individuals and the rights of business owners to thrive and flourish. Uh, Chris Cantwell knows that small businesses drive the economic engine of America. So reach out to Chris Cantwell for a complimentary consultation to find out how Chris can help you sell your business or buy your next opportunity. His website is cccellscompanies.com. That's like Chris Cantwell, sellscompanies.com. So again, cccellscompanies.com. This is the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson. We've got Steve on the boards, our great producer, and Jason McBride with Presidential Wealth Management in studio. We're going to go back, uh, go to break. When we come back, we're going to still break down some of these um, myths, if you will, regarding our tax rates. Award-winning realtor Karen Levine has 30 years of experience with REMAX Alliance. Karen Levine believes in home ownership. As a Colorado representative to the National Board of Realtors, Karen Levine works to protect private property rights. Since losing her mother to breast cancer, Karen Levine has helped organize a local fundraising event called Karen's for the Cure, raising money for breast cancer research. Karen Levine comes highly recommended by the Americhicks with Kim Munson. Choose Karen Levine to buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house. Call award-winning realtor Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance today at 303-877-7516. I got a woman way over town. Hey, welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson, uh, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Be sure and check out our website, AmeriChicks.com. Sign up for our emails. Uh, we'll keep you apprised of uh, subjects, guests, all, all kinds of important things. We are the AmeriChicks on Facebook and Twitter as well. We have in studio with us Jason McBride, Presidential Wealth Management. Uh, and, and be sure and check out chickspresidential.com. We have our own landing page over there with you guys. We do. It's great. Yeah. And, and it's great having you in studio. Uh, important conversation. And we need to make sure in this last segment that we get to what we really wanted to talk about. And that is these tax brackets. Tucker Carlson, uh, on his, I think it was his, maybe his first monologue of 2019, said something that, that really concerned you. Because, you, Jason, you don't think that people really understand these tax brackets. Well, and it concerned me because it's not the first time I've heard it. Uh, and, and, and I've heard it over and over again. And, and I, I don't think it's misinformation being put out on purpose. Maybe it's just misunderstanding. So again, Tucker made the comment that basically middle-class people pay a 40% federal tax rate. uh, And that's not fair because investors or hedge fund managers or dividends only pay half that much. Now we can talk about the dividends too, but what I really want to cover is the fact that there's no way that any wage earner is paying anywhere close to a 40% tax rate. So very quickly, Kim, without getting too wonky into the numbers, here's how the tax brackets work. I think a lot of people also don't quite understand that. They are progressive, uh, but it's not in, in like the bad way that you talk about. For example, for 2018, here's how married filing jointly tax brackets work. The first 19000 of income, is a t- you're taxed at 10%. Okay. Then on income between about 19000 up to 77000 that's a 12% tax rate. Anything from 77000 up to one sixty-five is 22%. Now, I'm not going to go through all of them. Let's just stop there. 
But I've, I've had in the past people so concerned that if they went up into the, say, 22% tax bracket, which used to be 25 by the way, that it's retroactive back to the first dollar. So if you're in $1 too much for the year, now you're paying 25% taxes on every dollar. That is not the case. If you go $1 up into the next tax bracket, you're only paying that higher percentage on that $1. Okay, so let's, one more time. So you're saying, so let's say the 77400 to 165000 Yes. The tax rate is 22%. Right. So now explain this. So is the up to 77,000 is it at that 12% range? Is that what you're saying? And then then anything over 77,000 is taxed at 22%? Am I getting that correct? The first 19,000 you pay 10% taxes on that. Okay. The next between 19,000 to 77,000 you pay 12% tax. Okay. And then any income between 77 to 165 is a 22% rate. So some of that earned 165,000. They're not paying 22%. It's a blend of all three of these brackets. So they're actually coming out in the very low teens is where they're at. You know, Jason, I'm embarrassed to say this. I never understood yeah, that. Yeah, but nobody, nobody does. And see, that's one of the things that really concerns me is people don't. Uh, you know, I, I told you the story about how this came to be. Um, maybe we could go over that some other time where I, it really struck me. People don't understand how low their taxes really are if, if you're in the middle. But this is why I, I just got, I get so upset when I hear... Uh, well, it's not fair that people pay a 30% tax rate in the middle class or even a 40%, which has been thrown around. Um, uh, like I say, Trish Reagan said, well, how is it fair that a New York City cop pays a higher tax rate than a hedge fund manager? I'm not going to go through how you calculate a hedge fund's tax rates, but let, let's just talk about this realistically. And this is with the tax rates that we have in place right now. Tucker mentioned an upper-middle-class wage earner pays 40% in federal taxes. I don't exactly know how to define upper-middle-class. I did some research. It's loosely defined as income uh, for a family between 126 and 188000 for a married couple. So let's just go with the high end. Let's round up and say this married couple is earning $200,000 a year. That's okay. quite a bit of dough. Okay. That is a nice income, right, mm-hmm. Kim? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not in New York City, but anywhere else, that's pretty decent. And New York's being run by socialists. Well, Democrats, that's true. So, okay. but, uh, Just had to say that. <laughs> a couple earning 200000 with only a standard deduction, no other deductions at all, 200000 what would you guess their federal tax rate is, Kim? Well, I was, I was before I was today. You'd probably said forty percent, yeah, huh? Thirty to forty percent, yeah. Fifteen point four one. Okay. Fifteen. Now, how is that even close to forty percent? Well, it must be forty percent with just a little bit more money. Really, if that same couple had an income of three hundred thousand, their federal tax rate is eighteen point four percent. At four hundred thousand, it's twenty one point two percent. And at a half a million dollars, 24%. You tell me how we got anywhere close to 40% anywhere in there. 
Jason, I you're the first person out there that I've heard say this. No wonder, and I, you know, it's very frustrating when people aren't getting the correct information. Well, and it is, and and frankly, I mean, when I heard this, I emailed, I emailed Fox and said, "Hey, I'm not trying to be mean, but that information is incorrect, and we don't need uh, more." Voices that sound like screeching, caterwauling liberals uh, coming out of our own conservative. Now, if it was true, fine, but it's not the case. And and my numbers are not incorrect. You can go uh, online and just Google marginal tax rate calculator. A little calculator will come up. uh, Put in married filing jointly and enter different amounts of income, you'll be shocked at how low the tax rates really, really are. And I find a lot of uh, clients that come in when I meet with them for the first time. I always say, bring a copy of your tax return. And I always have fun and ask them, well, how much is your tax rate? You know the number I always get? Oh, about 30%. Mm-hmm. That's it. Everybody thinks they're paying 30%. And I guess I will tell the story real quick. Okay, this great. is when this kind of hit me in the head. Uh, I didn't used to watch the news all day while I was at work, Kim. You know, I wasn't always a grumpy old man. (laughs) Uh, Honestly, I used to watch the Sci-Fi Channel. I would have it on. They used to play reruns of the X-Files and the Twilight Zone before they put on all this uh, reality TV garbage. Now, I'm not saying I sat and stared at it, but it was on in the background. And, And I kept thinking, well, where the heck are people getting this idea that they pay 30%. It was only after I started watching the news and heard this 30%, 30%, 30% number being thrown around over and over and over again that the light bulb came on. They're being spoon-fed something that's not correct. Well, I guess we've upped the ante because now uh, the number being thrown around is 40%. percent mm-hmm. So uh, have some, uh, there's your good news of the day. Your tax rates are probably nowhere near as high as you think they are. Well, and that's on the federal side. But the other component of it is, though, is you do have your state income taxes and then your property taxes and your sales taxes. And so it does become significant. The good news is, though, is you're not paying as much in federal income tax as you probably thought. And I want to be very clear here. These commentators specifically said federal tax rate. They said federal tax rate. They weren't throwing in state taxes and all that junk. And just remember, these horrible hedge fund managers have to pay local, federal, and and state income taxes on top of the federal as well. No, no, I'm not comparing apples to oranges. They said federal. Okay. And one other thing, as you were mentioning this, uh, so... For example, on income, so your hedge fund manager, whatever, on his income, for the amount that he would make, like his secretary, if you will, we're going to go back to Warren Buffett, who, you know, he said that his tax rate was lower than his secretary's. But for the same amount of money that they each earn, they paid the same amount of taxes, right? Well, maybe not. Well, well, I'm saying, so like on on Warren Buffett's first $19,000, let's say they made the same amount. Let's say it's $50,000. $50,000. Yep. And so that would put you into the 12% tax break. Right. And so on Warren Buffett's $50,000, he pays 12%. And on his secretary's, she pays uh, uh, 12%, right? So that's equal. It's equal. So as, as he becomes more and more successful it, on those additional dollars, his rate goes up on those additional dollars. That's correct. That's okay. correct. 
And, and so what like Ocasio-Cortez wants to do is she wants to penalize somebody as they create more and get into these higher rates. And, and so what will happen is, is, is people will either say, I'm not going to work that, you know, those extra hours or take that extra risk to, to make more money. Uh, because it's just going to be taxed. And so it'll be, um, you know, ultimately it'll be bad for the economy. Kim, I wish we weren't out of time um, because you mentioned the word risk and the word risk is exactly why dividends and investment income and all of that is taxed at a lower rate than ordinary income in many cases. So hopefully we'll get a chance some other time because I would love to spend 15 minutes really going through Yes, here's why the type of income that Mitt Romney earned is taxed at a lower rate sometimes than a wage earner and why that is. I tell you what, I think we should every month have you back in studio as the guest Amira dude. How's that? And uh, we'll talk about this. So we'll get you scheduled for February. Thank you so much, Jason McBride with Presidential Wealth Management. And check out chickspresidential.com. Our quote for today, Maggie Thatcher, she says, the problem with socialism is that eventually you run out of other people's money. So it is 2019. Be sure to think great thoughts, read great books, listen to beautiful music, and communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. God bless you, and God bless America. To this great unknown.